Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Matthew 22, verses 34 to 46, and then through J.C. Rao's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 to 46. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David, in the spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, How is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. This is the word of the Lord. In the beginning of this passage, we find our Lord replying to the question of a certain lawyer who asked him which was the greatest commandment of the law. That question was asked in no friendly spirit, but we have reason to be thankful that it was asked at all. It drew from our Lord an answer full of precious instruction. Thus, we see how good may come out of evil. Let us mark what an admirable summary these verses contain of our duty towards God and our neighbor. Jesus says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. He says again, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he adds, The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. How simple are these two rules, and yet how comprehensive? How soon the words are repeated, and yet how much they contain? How humbling and condemning they are! How much they prove our daily need of mercy and the precious blood of atonement! Happy would it be for the world if these rules were more known and practiced. Love is the grand secret of true obedience to God. When we feel toward him as children feel toward a dear father, we shall delight to do his will. We shall not find his commandments grievous and work for him like slaves under fear of the lash. We shall take pleasure in trying to keep his laws and mourn when we transgress them. None work so well as those who work out of love. The fear of punishment or the desire of reward are principles of far less power. They do the will of God best, who do it from the heart. Would we train children right? Let us teach them to love God. Love is the grand secret of right behavior toward our fellow men. He who loves his neighbor will scorn to do him any willful injury, either in person, property, or character. But he will not rest there. He will desire in every way to do him good. 
He will strive to promote his comfort and happiness in every way. He will endeavor to lighten his sorrows and increase his joys. When a man loves us, we feel confidence in him. We know that he will never intentionally do us harm, and that in every time of need he will be our friend. Would we teach children to behave rightly toward others? Let us teach them to love everybody as themselves, and do to others as they would have others do to them. But how should we obtain this love towards God? It is no natural feeling. We are born in sin and, as sinners, are afraid of God. How then can we love Him? We can never really love Him until we are at peace with Him through Christ. When we feel our sins forgiven and ourselves reconciled to our Holy Maker, then, and not until then, we shall love Him and have the spirit of adoption. Faith in Christ is the true spring of love to God. They love most who feel most forgiven. We love Him because He first loved us. 1 John four, nineteen. And how shall we obtain this love toward our neighbor? This is also no natural feeling. We are born selfish, hateful, and hating one another. Titus 3, 3. We shall never love our fellow man rightly until our hearts are changed by the Holy Spirit. We must be born again. We must put off the old man and put on the new and receive the mind that was in Christ Jesus. Then, and not until then, our cold hearts will know true God-like love towards all. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Galatians 5.22 Let these things sink deep down into our hearts. There is much vague talk in these latter days about love and charity. Men profess to admire them and desire to see them increased, and yet hate the principles which alone can produce them. Let us stand fast in the old paths. We cannot have fruits and flowers without roots. We cannot have love for God and man without faith in Christ and without regeneration. The way to spread true love in the world is to teach the atonement of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. The concluding portion of the passage contains a question put to the Pharisees by our Lord. After answering with perfect wisdom the inquiries of his adversaries, he at last asks them, What do you think of the Christ? Whose son is he? And they reply at once, The son of David. He then asks them to explain why David in the book of Psalms calls him Lord. Psalm 110 verse 1. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? At once his enemies were put to silence. No one was able to answer him a word. The scribes and Pharisees no doubt were familiar with the psalm he quoted, but they could not explain its application. It could only be explained by conceding the pre-existence and divinity of the Messiah. This the Pharisees would not concede. Their only idea of Messiah was that he was to be a man like one of themselves. Their ignorance of the scriptures, of which they pretended to know more than others, and their low, carnal view of the true nature of Christ were thus exposed at one and the same time. Well may Matthew say, by the Holy Spirit, 
neither did any man dare ask him any more questions from that day forth. Let us not leave these verses without making a practical use of our Lord's solemn question. What do you think of Christ? What do we think of his person and his offices? What do we think of his life and what of his death for us on the cross? What do we think of his resurrection, ascension, and intercession at the right hand of God? Have we tasted that he is gracious? Have we laid hold on him by faith? Have we found by experience that he is precious to our souls? Can we truly say he is my redeemer, my shepherd, my savior, and my friend? These are serious inquiries. May we never rest until we can give a satisfactory answer to them. It will not profit us to read about Christ if we are not joined to him by living faith. Once more, then, let us test our religion by this question. What do we think of Christ? That is the end of Rao's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today. May the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his glory.